Hello, everyone, and welcome to the next episode of Cozy On Up and NC Cardinal. We've taken a break for the summer to do all of our summer learning podcasting. So now we're coming back and we're going to do some beach and ocean-themed cozies, kind of in honor of all the summer learning with oceans of possibilities that we've been working through this summer. Um, Each episode of our podcast focuses on a cozy mystery theme or an author that is available in NC Cardinal. So everything I mentioned today, you will be able to request. Some of them you can request even in large print. If you have a cozy mystery mystery genre question or topic you'd like me to look into in a future episode, just post it in the comments on our social media or in the episode Q&A that's in Spotify. Or you can join our Goodreads group or Amazon Book Club group to discuss it online with others and to see what's coming up in the future. So let's start looking through the... National um, Collaborative Summer Learning Programming thing, which was Oceans of Possibilities. We have an adult version of that. We're going to be looking at beach and ocean themed cozies. I'm going to do everything kind of in reverse chronological order from the most recent um, published to the oldest. Got several to look through. We're going to start with The Little Bookshop of Murder, published September 2020. It was book number one in a Beach Reads mystery series by Maggie Blackburn. So she describes her series as a Shakespearean scholar inherits a beachside bookshop and a murder mystery. In this delightful new cozy series for fans of Kate Carlisle and Ellery Adams. Summer Merriweather's career as a Shakespeare professor hangs by a bookbinder's thread. Academic life at her Virginia University is a viper's pit. So Summer spends her summer in England to save her job. But her English trip ends when her mother, Hildy, shuffles off her mortal coil from an apparent heart attack. Summer returns to Brigands Island, North Carolina, for the funeral. And she is impatient to settle the estate, sell the bookstore called Beach Reads, which is her mom's embarrassingly, in Summer's mind, uh, romance-themed bookstore, and go back home. But as she drops by Beach Reads, Summer finds threatening notes addressed to Hildy. One of them says, sell the bookstore or die. Clearly, something is rotten on Brigid's Island. What method is behind this madness? Was Hildy murdered? The police insist that there's not enough evidence to launch a murder investigation. Instead, Summer and her other aunt, Aunt Agatha, screw up their courage to the sticking place and start sleuthing with the help of Hildy's beloved book club. But there are more suspects on Brigid's Island than are dreamt of in the Bard's darkest philosophizing, and if Summer can't find the villain, the town will be littered with a Shakespearean tragedy's worth of corpses, including her own. I'm going to post some links in the uh, description area of the podcast episode so you can see what all uh, Maggie Blackburn has published, and including all the other books in this series. Currently, there are two titles, you know, as of this podcast episode uh, in this series. The first one that I read, September 2020, but then she also published another one in October 2021. Both are available in NC Cardinal. Maggie Blackburn is actually a writing pseudonym for Millie Cox Bryan, which is another name she writes under. Um, she often writes women's stories. That tends to be the genre she gravitates towards. Her stories have many forms, though. Cookbooks, articles, essays, poetry, and fiction. Molly grew up near Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and attended Point Park University, where she received a bachelor's in journalism and communications. 
Her first real job out of college was as a paste-up artist at a small newspaper where she was allowed to write on her own time, and she did. And clearly it's continued, and now she's writing fiction largely. So this, of course, made it onto our beach ocean-themed list because it is set on the fictional um, location of Brigid Island, North Carolina, so out on the coast. So for readability, uh, the book starts a bit slow, but it brings in the murder threats pretty quickly. Um, then there's attempts on Summer's life, and then a fire, and then a whack to the head, and then a robbery of money from the bookstore in first editions. And also our lead uh, character, she also has arachnophobia, so that tends to come up quite a bit. So we have a lot of things creating tension and problems throughout the book. There's an often used element, um, you know, in cozies of like a tension, you know, between the lone or one of maybe like two police officers in the town. Well, this time there's just one police officer and there's tension between her and uh, the police officer. And Ben Singer is uh, his name. And then there's also a romantic interest with the local fire chief, uh, Levi Jensen. Um, and Aunt Agatha has some prickliness with him. So there's a lot of tension going around town. I noticed that with this. Uh, and it's interesting how the Ben Singer issue is not because simply she's come back into town or something. It's uh, because she used to be engaged to Ben Singer's son. Um, now, as a note, for those of the listeners uh, who don't like non-Western religious, you know, beliefs, witchcraft, mysticism, or anything like ghosts mentioned or mixed in with any of the stories you read, um, I have noticed, you know, there's sometimes people who specifically want to try and avoid that, and that is fine. Just as a warning, if that's not for you, um, that some of those are mentioned, uh, sprinkled in here. Along and along, um, it's not like it's heavily focused on that. This isn't a fully paranormal cozy mystery, um, but it is mixed in a little bit. And there is a little bit along and along some unsavory language used, depending on like your uh, you know, personal level of what you find acceptable. Um, so just kind of keep that in mind. I don't often have to make that note, but I do try to because I know some people don't want to uh, deal with that when they're reading. They'd like to, you know, get a heads up. I did notice the format, though, for those of you who maybe like James Patterson in the sense that, you know, really short chapters, so you're going to quickly, like, get done with the thought and move to another one. There are 66 chapters in this book because a lot of them are really short, like James Patterson writes. Um, there's mentions of, it kind of, to me, sounds like a, an ode to the um, Knights in Redanthe uh, by Nicholas Sparks. They're reading a, a romance called Knights at Bellamy Harbor, so it kind of reminded me of that. And what would be interesting if you have a cozy mystery book club of your own that you go to or run, um, there's this character tension throughout this book and probably into the second one um, of like where Summer thinks of high literature and she initially is downing, you know, what she considers popular or commercial literature. That'd be a good discussion and debate question, like looking at it from the character's perspective um, those around her, the people who buy things from the bookstore, etc. Like, what what is going on here? Uh, what are the positives and negatives of both? Um, they also mention a whole lot of other uh, reading genres and interests in here because it is a bookstore. So you kind of get a little sprinkling of everything. For the book crimes, uh, plausibility and guessability. Like, how well is it hidden or is it hidden too hard, etc.? 
There's hints of Aunt Hildy uh, having been 64 years old and in perfectly good health and then suddenly dead. That starts pretty early in the book. So you already get a hint of what the first major crime or what's going to be driving our female lead to stay in town when she has no need to. Then there's the initial suspect of the next door business owner, Rudy. That's a bit too obvious. It's obvious that's a red herring. And then there's a long list that is quickly compiled over the next several chapters of Aunt Agatha, Cousin Piper, Piper's daughter Mia, uh, 60-something librarian Marilyn, who was a 25-year-plus friend and member of the Mermaid Pie Book Club, Um, Glads, or as she's known, Gladys, who's also in the book club. Doris, who's kind of sort of a newbie to the area, but that means she's moved in the last five years. She's joined the book club. She has a sick husband. Loretta from the book club. Posey from Aunt Hildy's witch group. Rowan the hippie. Henry the English teacher. The Xanadu Corporation's Rex Garfield. Al Paralee's her mother's attorney. Carrie from St. Bridget's Women's Shelter. Like, who knows what? Where's the next clue going to come from? Who of these people had a reason to try and get rid of Aunt Hildy. So as you're moving along, kind of roughly at every 25 to 30% point, you have a major turn. You know, there's either another attempt on someone's life or something at the bookstore. And we start finding out clues by about the page 200. So you have to get through a pretty good bit. You start finding some other key clues sprinkled in that start going, wait a minute, if that's the truth, what's going on here? Um, hmm. So overall, in reading through it, uh, it didn't seem like the red herrings were too obvious. Uh, there was a great deal of tension and emotional angst going on, though. It was certainly fascinating after you got past that kind of initial portion where all the characters were introduced and they were obsessed, you know, the author was kind of obsessed with certain character features getting established very clearly in the reader's mind. Uh, Once you got past that point, it kind of moved along pretty quickly. Um, It was trying too hard at times, it seemed like, to sow those elements for the grand finale, but also mix in, you know, red herrings that would come up. Um, So... It's pretty good. Not not the, I would say, one of my favorites from this set we're reading, but it's pretty good. Just kind of keep an eye out for what you're interested in reading. If that ticks any of your boxes or you want a little more uh, tension in your cozy mysteries than not, then this is the one to try. Next up is Booked for Death. Um, this is book number one in a book lover's B&B mystery series by Victoria Gilbert. And this is one of the ones I I did like, Uh, not that I hated any of them. This is one of the ones that kind of stood out in my mind from my personal kind of reading interest and what resonated with me. Um, This is from the critically acclaimed author of Okra Pick a Murder for the books. And Victoria Gilbert is starting a new series that once again, if you like Kate Carlisle or Juliet Blackwell, this is a good read alike. The setting, as they describe it, is a book lover's B&B set in an idyllic waterfront village becoming the scene of a grisly murder and a ruthless battle between treachery and the truth. Nestled in the historic waterfront town of Beaufort, North Carolina, that's an actual town. This one's not fictional town. It's just a fictional bed and breakfast. Chapter's bed and breakfast is a reader's paradise. Built in 1770, the newly renovated inn hosts a roster of special events celebrating books, genres, and authors. It's the perfect literary retreat, 
until a rare book dealer turns up dead in the carriage house during a celebration of the Golden Age mystery author Josephine Tay. The victim's daughter points the finger at the 42-year-old widow and former school teacher Charlotte Reed, who has inherited this B&B and is running it from her great-aunt Isabella. Charlotte is shocked to discover that the book dealer suspected Isabella of being a thief, who had found in chapters from some ill-gotten gains, at least that's his theory. Charlotte has successfully learned the B&B business in the past year, but nothing has prepared her to handle this death on the premises. Armed with intelligence and courage and assisted by her vibrant older neighbor, a visiting author, and members of the local book club, Charlotte is determined to prove her innocence and to clear her great aunt's name. But the murderer is still at large and equally determined to silence anyone who might discover the truth behind the book dealer's death. Now Charlotte must outwit an unknown killer or end up writing her own final chapter. So I'll have a list of uh, the link to a list of Victoria Gilbert's books in the podcast description. So far for this series, there are three titles that have been published. The third book just came out this summer. So she has a brand new release that came out June 7th. They are available in NC Cardinal. Now, about the author, Victoria Gilbert was raised in the shadow of the Blue Ridge Mountains and turned her early obsession with reading into a dual career as an author and a librarian. She writes both traditional and cozy mysteries. She's also written fantasy and science fiction. Victoria has worked as a reference librarian, a research librarian, and a library director. When not writing or reading, she spends her time watching films or TV, gardening or traveling. She loves animals, chocolate, and all the arts. And of course, this is on our list of beach and, you know, ocean-based cozy mysteries because it's set in Beaufort, North Carolina, right at the ocean. One of the oldest towns in North Carolina. Now, I have, I loved reading this one. Uh, This kind of like ticked all the boxes. Nothing was forced. No kind of like obvious uh, hiccups in the writing. I also enjoyed the audiobook. Um, the narrator was soothing, um, and it was a good listen. It moved well. So the plausibility and guessability for the crime. The author had a very clever way of developing two mysteries in one book, laying the groundwork for why a woman with no prior investigative history would suddenly be the star of a cozy mystery series, and for why her neighbor would be helping her. I think this kind of family history mystery, like what was, you know, great aunt Isabella doing? Or great grandmother, uh, yeah, great aunt Isabella, what was she up to? So this sort of family history we've got to dig into. Plus, on the other side, you have to deal with the murder investigation. Both of those, you know, ensures that each book, of course, you'll have a new murder to investigate. But then you have this family history you're going to keep learning more about. So it's, it's kind of nice to have these two mysteries to try and solve. You're like, what was up with Aunt Isabella, Great Aunt Isabella's life? And then also, why did this rare book dealer die? Um, but also the fact that this is set in a touristy town. Uh, the, you know, the female lead is owning a bread and, be- bed and breakfast kind of ensures that there's going to be new characters each time. You're not just going to be dealing with the same kind of clutch group. You're going to have the locals that are going to help her, part of the book club and her neighbor, but you're also going to have new visitors each time. So that'll always keep it interesting. So my personal opinion for this series, I liked it, so I'd love to read more or listen to the audiobooks. Next on the list is Live and Let Chai, published July 2018, and the last book we had was published 
let's see, Victoria Gilbert was published August 2020. This one, we're backing up two years now, To Live and Let Chai, published July 2018. This is book number one in the Seaside Cafe Mystery Series by Bree Baker. Um, the description that they've provided for it is, When a body turns up on the boardwalk outside Everly Swan's Ice Tea Shopping Cafe, she becomes the number one suspect in a murder case. Can she bag the culprit, prove her innocence, and dish up the real killer before it's too late? This hits all the sweet spots, as this series is a delightful tea shop and cafe culinary mystery. It's also a cozy beach treat, and it's perfect for fans of Laura Childs and Kay Carlisle. Life hasn't been so sweet for Everly Swan over the past couple of years, but now she's back in her seaside hometown of Charm, North Carolina. The proud new owner of Sun, Sand, and Tea, a cafe right on the beach. And Everly thinks that things are finally starting to look up. Until a grouchy customer turns up dead on the boardwalk with a jar of one of her specialty teas lying right next to him. When an autopsy, autopsy reports poison is in his system, things don't look good for Everly or her tea shop. As the townspeople of Charm, formerly so welcoming and homey, turn their back on Everly, she fights to dig up clues about who could have had it in for the former town councilman. With the maddeningly handsome detective Grady Hayes discouraging her from uncovering leads and a series of anonymous attacks on Everly and her tea shop, it will take everything she's got to keep this murder mystery from boiling over. So, so far, since 2018, there are seven titles that have been published in this series. Number seven was just published not long back in March 2022. They're available in NC Cardinal. So I'll post the information about the series and the author in the podcast description. But overall, this name, Brie Baker, is a pseudonym of Julianne Lindsay. She is an award-winning and best-selling author of mystery and romantic suspense. She's published more than 50 novels since her debut in 2013 and currently writes series as herself and her pen names, Brie Baker, Jacqueline Frost, and Julie Chase. When Julie is not creating new worlds or fostering the epic love of fictional characters, she can be found in Kent, Ohio, enjoying her blessed Midwestern life, and probably plotting murder with her shamelessly enabling friends. Today she hopes to make someone smile, one day she hopes she plans to change the world. So, of course, this is on our beach oceany cozy mystery list because it's set on a beach town in fictional charm north carolina so the fun features in this is it includes a lot of food and drink recipes um, of items that are mentioned in the book so as you're reading along you're going to have the recipes at the end some cozy mysteries just include one recipe or maybe one recipe in the very front and one at the very end well this one includes quite a few recipes so you'll get to make several things you read about um, I enjoyed listening to it on audiobook. It was a good read, good narrator. The lead character was not annoying. The characters were fun and interesting that surrounded her. So was the town. The setting was in North Carolina. So, of course, what more can you ask for? So, the plausibility and guessability of the crime. Well, it's very plausible, poisoning someone in a drink. I mean, we keep hearing that about on the news all the time. Uh, guessability. Not quite so much. There's several strong red herrings, and it's just trying to weed out who's the actual culprit that keeps you hooked. Um, I had often thought of testing this series out. I'd you know seen the book often pop up in 
when I was trying to pick up and choose certain ones for certain themes. So I was really happy that I finally got a chance to dive into this series because it just continues to get more titles added and lots of good reviews. And I agree, it is a good series. Um, I'm happy to have had a chance to read it and I'm looking forward to coming back for more from Brie Baker. Our next book is published back in September 2017. It's called Asking for Truffle. It's book number one in a Southern Chocolate Shop mystery series by Dorothy St. James. Now, this one kind of bridges our June candy discussion, but then also our summer beach ocean discussion because this is set in the fictional town of Camellia Beach, South Carolina. So it is overall the setting when Charity Penn receives a letter saying that she won a trip to Camellia Beach, South Carolina, complete with free cooking lessons at the town's seaside chocolate shop called the Chocolate Box, she's immediately skeptical. She's never entered any contest, and her former prep school friend offers to look into the phony prize, only to end up drowned in a vat of chocolate. Struck with guilt, Penn heads to the southern beach town to investigate why he was killed. But as wary as she is of the locals, she finds herself lured into their eccentric vibe, letting her defenses melt away and even learning the art of crafting delicious chocolates. That is, until delight turns bittersweet as she steps straight into the midst of a deadly plot to destroy the seaside town. Now only Penn's quick thinking and a mysterious cask of rare chocolate can save the town that she's learning to love. So there are three titles that were published in this series. You know, we've, we've discussed in prior episodes how they're often, when they're put under contract authors, they have to write at least three, sometimes four, before they can get a renewal. So that's why sometimes if a series doesn't do well, you only see three, and then it's done. Um, so there's three titles in this series, published 27, September 2017 to September 2018. They're available in NC Cardinal. This one was a nice big hardback, if that, if that uh, kind of influences your, your interest in what you need to tote around. Um, about Dorothy St. James, though, the author, she was born in New York and raised in South Carolina. She's a former Folly Beach beach bum. She's now a hectic sub suburb mom living in Mount Pleasant, South Carolina, with her husband, her precocious daughter, and slightly, okay, terribly, needy dogs, and the friendliest cat you've ever met. The writing has always been a passion for her. She pursued an undergraduate degree in wildlife biology and a graduate degree in public administration and urban planning. She put her educational experience to use, having worked in all branches and all levels of government, including local, regional, state, and federal. She even spent time during college working for a nonprofit environmental watchdog organization. She's won a lot of awards, and her current book focus, though, because this series has ended, she only wrote three and it's done. Her current focus seems to be on the beloved Book Room Mystery series. There's two published in 2021. Looks like she's still continuing it. And it has a librarian as the central character. So it looks like another series to put on our to-be-read pile. Um, this is, of course, on the list of Ocean Beach Cozies because it's set in fictional Camellia Beach, South Carolina. So the readability. Um, I listened to it in the audiobook version. The narrator was okay. Overall, the book was fine. Um, it kept you thinking about who the killer might be because things kept twisting and turning. One person looked more likely. They need something would shift. Um, it started rather slow, though, with quite a bit of time spent, you know, from the main character's point of view, with Penn kind of bordering almost on whining about her life situation. 
she's so suspicious of everyone, believes everyone is after her wealth. It kind of is, it's problematic to get moving more quickly into the story. Um, she has a problematic romantic life, troublesome family situation. So that seems to crop up quite a bit, um, which might be some of the reasons why it was kind of hard to get hooked in as quickly as you can in some other um, series. Plausibility and guessability for the crime. Um, of course, her, her best friend is dead. There are four main suspects with kind of brief flirtations that others also may be possible. But there's three murders in the book, uh, not just one with various, you know, almost murders or threats or something. Instead, there's a lot of murders happening. It kind of becomes obvious that there's someone with a psychotic break in town who can clearly present as normal and supportive when around others, but is actively seeking ways to get their hands on the special chocolate beans, the chocolate shop property, and possibly even the inherited wealth set aside for Mabel's missing daughter, Carolina. So it starts becoming obvious that as a reader, you're not going to quite be able to guess because the person is psychotic. So what you're able to read as evidence may or may not be true. You know, interactions, conversations, you know, behavior might not be accurate. Um, overall, whether I, whether or not I would read more in this series, I'm not really sure for this particular series. I'm invested in the location now, and it would be interesting to see if Aunt May moves down to live with Penn and help support her, and possibly what the next crime could be, because we've already had three murders in this, this book alone, so quite a few people dead. Um, but after listening through the main character's kind of initial personality, it was probably a deliberate choice by the author, kind of to make it obvious how Penn is maturing and coming to, into her own throughout the story by making it so obvious at the start so that you can see definitely the change by the end, but kind of making it so strong and overwhelming in some ways. Um, makes me a little leery to like read the next one as I'm not sure how much more I'm going to have to read of that instead of of the crime itself. Um Let's see, we've got three more uh, suggestions to get through. Okay, so our next book in the list is By Book or By Crook, February 2015. This is book number one in the Lighthouse Library Mystery Series by Ava Gates. For 10 years, Lucy has enjoyed her job poring over rare tomes of literature for the Harvard Library, but she has not enjoyed the demands of her family's social quarrel or her sort of engagement to the staid son of her father's law partner. But when her 10-year relationship implodes, Lucy realizes that the plot of her life is in need of a serious rewrite. Calling on her Aunt Ellen, Lucy hopes that a little fun in the Outer Bank sun and some confections from her cousin Josie's bakery will help her clear her head. But her retreat quickly turns into an unexpected opportunity when Aunt Ellen gets her involved in the lighthouse library that's tucked away on Body Island. Lucy is thrilled to lend a hand and be a part of a librarian job in her favorite place in the world. But when a priceless first edition Jane Austen novel is stolen and the chair of the library board is murdered, Lucy suddenly finds herself ensnared in a real-life mystery, and she's not so sure that there's going to be a happy ending. So there are nine titles in this series. Number nine was published in June 2022, so just had another release. She's continuing to write in this. They're available in NC Cardinal. Ava Gates is a national best-selling author who began her writing career as a Sunday writer, a single mother of three high-spirited daughters, and with a full-time job as a computer programmer, she only wrote on Sundays originally. 
Now she has more than 20 novels under her belt in the mystery genre, published also under the name Vicki Delaney. She lives in Ontario, Canada. This is, of course, chosen for this set because it is set on the Outer Banks of North Carolina, so it's a part of the Ocean Beach theme. Kind of some of the interesting things of listening to this on audiobook is it got me to thinking about how people not from the South or from even local area in North Carolina, how would they pronounce some of these names? And something you kind of might think of, because when you're reading the book, you're going to pronounce it the way you've always heard it and not think anything of it. But when you hear someone else on an audiobook read it, you're like, huh, I wonder which one's accurate. So there's Body Island, um, pronouncing it just as it looks like, B-O-D-I-E, because they changed the spelling from B-O-D-Y over time from the original founders. Um, and then I have heard some southern, you know, local people call it uh, Bodie. Um, and then, of course, Manteo is a town that's mentioned. I've heard Manteo, Manteo, and then, but locals, though, like right around the area would probably call it Manio. Not even hear the letter T in there. So it's kind of just interesting to think about, you know, how we pronounce things. Now, this all may sound familiar because we read Spook in the Stacks from this very same series for the October 2021 Halloween podcast. So, plausibility and guessability. Well, all the red herrings and actual crimes, they make sense. Uh, it's one of the cool things about Ava Gates' writing. She makes you believe some of the red herrings for sure, but the final solution, while making sense... And you can see hints of it once you start rereading, having, you know, finished it already. It's not obvious, she writes very well. The red herrings kind of grab your attention. You fully bought and invested in it. And by the time you get done, you're like, oh, yeah, of course, that makes sense. You know, it's not upsetting or totally weird or, you know, out of the blue. It's just she writes very well. You don't see the clues um, until you start rereading it because you already know who the, uh, you know, perpetrator is, then you start noticing those clues. She works them in very well. I love her, love this series, you know, kind of imagine me rubbing my hands together gleefully. Um, I would love to read more in this series, try some more of her work, so we'll see what we can work in in maybe future podcast episodes. Um, our last two, we've got A Killer Plot, published June 2010. It's book number one in a Books by the Bay mystery series by Ellery Adams. This is uh, kind of the setting. It's in Oyster Bay, North Carolina. So Olivia Limoges is the subject of constant gossip. Ever since she came back to town, a return as mysterious as her departure, Olivia has kept to herself, her dog, and her unfinished novel. With a little cajoling from the eminently charming writer Camden Ford, she agrees to join the Bayside Book Writers Group. Break her writer's block and hopefully make a new, few new friends. But when townspeople start turning up dead with haiku poems left by the bodies, anyone with a flair for language is suddenly suspect. And it's up to Olivia to catch the killer before she meets her own surprise ending. There are eight titles in this series. The last one was published in 2017. There's some large print available as well for this if you need to request it in that format. Um, the author, Ellery Adams, is a native New Yorker. She's had a lifelong love affair with stories, food, rescue animals, and large bodies of water. She lives with her husband and two children in central North Carolina. She's written three different book-themed series, so you can tell that's kind of one of her favorites. 
And she's also written the Charmed Pie Shop series, one of the ones we've looked at. And she is a good writer. This um, fictional town of Oyster Bay is near New Bern, North Carolina. So New Bern is an actual town. Oyster Bay is fictional. The female lead character's backstory um, of a girl practically raising herself in Oyster Bay Lighthouse Keeper's Cottage while her father fished, kind of, because it's really big right now amongst patrons, it kind of gives me echoes of where the crawdads sing. Um, there's kind of several interesting characters in town. You have a mother of two two-year-old twins, a, a bartender, an IT gamer dude, a gossip columnist, a dwarf, all sorts of different people and situations. So it really brings in new perspectives and life situations as like active elements that the story has to work with. They're, you know, they're not just behind the scenes noise. Um, so it's kind of nice to see something different in a cozy. Um, Olivia's amateur sleuthing support group, as often happens in cozies, actually have to work for a living. Um, you know, they often get these support groups, our main character, but this group actually has to work, you know, 40-hour-a-week jobs. So this shows more plausibility and depth to the characters. So you're not just going to have a bunch of, you know, retirees or someone else roaming around. Instead, you know, you're going to have to work around other people's schedules. Um, I think there's going to be, with some of these characters, because they are so interesting, um, some background uh, for future stories to be able to pull on. There's a romance triangle that you often, you know, see sometimes in cozies. This time it's among the police chief, Olivia, and the bookstore owner, Flynn McNulty. So she's got two romantic interests. Plausibility and guessability. This is certainly one of the saddest crimes I've seen in a cozy mystery so far. Because, you know, it wasn't like the town curmudgeon or some shady character, somebody that nobody liked dying. And then you have to figure out, well, amongst everyone who hates this person, who did it? Instead, it's someone who's very likable. Um, you know, it's not a. It's also not like a relatively unknown silent character. Like, oh, some aunt died, or grandmother died, or father died, or a long lost friend. You know, will do something, and then this character shows up. We have very active involvement, getting um, invested in this character, liking them, and then suddenly they're dead. So, kind of, we very much uh, feel and sympathize and empathize with Olivia. I liked this series. I would like to return to it in the future and see what we can do, um, maybe for another topic. But I did like it. It was good. Last one is A Timely Vision, published May 2010. So this is our oldest one. This is book number one in a Missing Pieces mystery series by Joyce and Jim Levine. Um, this is a bit more of a paranormal-leaning subgenre of cozy mysteries. This is May uh, Day O'Donnell, a woman with a gift for finding lost things and stories behind lost lives. Day O'Donnell is the mayor of Duck, North Carolina, and the person everyone turns to when they've lost something. With one touch, Day can find it, and it's, it's to bare skin, so not just everything, but to, like, you know, your hand or something, holding your hand. Day will have a vision and see it, and the missing piece, you know, she'll be able to help you find it and locate it again. When Miss Mildred asks Day to find her missing watch, Day finds herself looking for more than mislaid jewelry, and she must prove that the town matriarch isn't a cold-blooded killer. There's five titles in this series. The last one was published in October 2013. Uh, the reason for it, as we've mentioned, because we have looked at Joyce and Jim Levine's work before, um, they both died within six months of each other, so a lot of series they had just started or were continuing to write in suddenly quit. Um, Joyce passed away in 2015, and Jim died six months later. We mentioned this in a prior podcast. 
when we talked about back in February about pies. Um, this is a missing pieces thrift store, and she's also the mayor for North Carolina, and she's also the sole UPS drop-off location, so I could see this character being able to have her hands in a lot of information and situations. So it'll provide a lot of information for future uh, book topics in this series. We only got to read the first one. Um, things happen really quickly in this series, uh, inside this first book. We get really quickly and deftly introduced to the key players, Day, her gift, her jobs as a businesswoman and a mayor, the victims found, um, you know, there's introductions and background for characters being uh, kind of nimbly woven in. It's not just shoehorned in in the first few chapters, then you have a crime, then you solve the crime. It's all being mixed in, which is nice. Um, you start finding the more bodies, but this time it's actually full-fledged skeletons because they've been dead for 50 years. Um, then you're finding about... Who killed this person? Who killed that person? Someone that the town thought was dead is actually alive. And his grandson is a part of the story in a totally different name. Tension keeps ramping up. Possibilities of who did what keep getting thrown out. But there is a sudden turnabout at the end on who probably readers think most likely is the culprit. Suddenly everything shifts. It all turns out fine in the end though, but it's very nail-biting right up to the end. There's competing romantic interests. Uh, it's less of a 50-50 split with the heroine kind of being attracted to both. Instead, one man wants her and she's kind of interested in another man, but none of the three are really, you know, dating or doing anything. Dave seems to regularly sense this kind of like objects, finding people, lost things, uh, believing in ghosts, seeing possible ghosts. Uh so if kind of mystical elements aren't really in your interest, you know, paranormal cozies aren't really in your wheelhouse, that's okay. Just just, just avoid this one. Um, this one certainly sucked me in as the Levines are a very good writing talent. I remember their Pie in the Sky mystery series that we looked back at uh, several months ago. So it's a really sad loss of talent when they died. So the, one of the ones I really liked in this um set were Brie Baker, Victoria Gilbert, Ava Gates, and Ellery Adams. And they're the ones continuing to write. Uh, the Levines are no longer continuing to write, but they're good too. So I hope you got to enjoy some of these this summer, and we'll be moving on to a two-part farm-to-table themed cozy mystery set in September. Thank you for listening.